Thank you, David. Good morning, everybody. We're going to talk this morning about living Christianly. I know we've been in Ephesians or Colossians for a little while, and uh, chapter 3 especially, but uh, this might be the last message. Children's Church, head out the back door with Miss Lacey. Children's Church. Rest of you, Colossians chapter 3. We're going to talk this morning about relationships. Paul's written to the Colossian church much information about uh, life and how to be a Christian, how to live as a Christian. He talks in chapter 3 about putting off the old man, putting on the new man. And certainly that's what we're going to learn a little bit more about today. How do we live that Christian life in this world? Let's stand together as we read Colossians chapter 3. Verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Thank you. You may be seated. (laughs) Okay. I'm joking around there. So let's read some more. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth. Not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Let's stop there and pray. Father, bless us as we learn this morning about relationships and help us, Father, to apply biblical concepts to all of our relationships in this world. Then we will be your people and be pleasing in your sight. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Today I'm going to mostly talk to you about verse 18 and verse 19. Tonight we'll get into... Uh, the rest of our text. It's too much information here to just uh, try to wrap all up in one sermon. You know, God's uh, word on relationships begins in his word. All right? That's where we learn about it. That's where we uh, know what to apply. That's where we learn our wisdom from and how to live as a family unit. God performed uh, the marriage first, and it was a perfect union with Adam and Eve until sin came into the picture and spoiled everything, right? And we saw that all the way back in Genesis. There has not been a perfect union between a man and a woman since then. And there probably won't be a perfect union between a man and a woman in this world anyway. And so today, let's talk about that relationship between the husband and the wife. Paul begins by saying, wives, be subject to your husbands or submit to your husbands. You know, that word submit is a volatile word, is it not? It's a, it's a horrible word if we look at it from the world's point of view. We went through the feminist movement back in the 60s and 70s where women wanted to throw off that description of being submissive. And they wanted to be known as equal And what happened is over time, nobody stood up and taught the world that being submissive does not negate equality. 
when you are submissive to someone, and we all are submissive, by the way, the word has been distorted. Everyone is submissive to someone. Jesus Christ himself was submissive. So being submissive is not a mark against your character. In fact, in actuality, being submissive is a greater level of character than not. And so when the Bible says for a wife to be submissive to her husband or submit to him, it's because it's God's order of things. God, Jesus being submissive to God, man being submissive to Jesus, woman being submissive to man and Jesus or husband. And so think of that relationships there's an order that god puts in scripture for us to learn and for us to operate correctly by and i hope today that i'm able to clear up this uh, anomaly of being a woman being submissive to her husband as being a bad thing or an awkward thing or a thing that you don't want to do because it's in god's word you ladies and men we need to understand that a husband and wife's relationship, wives being submitting or submissive to their husbands. Everyone submits to someone. Look what it says in Galatians 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Everyone is submissive to someone. Yes, Submission seems to have the definition today that they are below us. They are not our equal. And that's what the big problem comes out about for women to be submissive to their husbands or wives to be submissive to their husbands. We're not the same. God did not make us the same, right? If you don't believe me, look in the bathroom of a couple in their home. The man has five things in the bathroom. A bar of soap, a towel, a razor, some deodorant, and a toothbrush. A woman typically has 337 things in the bathroom. And the man doesn't know what half of them are for. We're not the same. We weren't made the same. However, we are co-equal in the eyes of God according to that verse. Amen? There's neither male or female. They're all one in Christ Jesus. I say, long live the difference between a man and a woman. Because that's the way God designed it. A man will spend $2 on a $1 item that he needs. A woman will spend $1 on a $2 item that she doesn't need because it's on sale. There is a difference between a man and a woman. And I appreciate that difference and I am honored to know and understand that difference. What's the greatest example that we find in being submissive in the Scripture? It's not between a man and a woman. It's between a father and a son. And it's between the Lord Jesus Christ and His Heavenly Father. He did not think that it was a reproach against him to submit himself to his father. 
He did not think that it was a strike against the equality that he held with God to be submissive to his father. Why do women feel like it's a strike against them to be submissive to their husband? It's not. Jesus was submissive, and he handled it very well. In fact, he delighted in that being submissive. It was no threat to his equality. He took on the role. He assumed the role. It was a voluntary action, as it should be for a wife to her husband. It's a voluntary thing. I read a story about a missionary group who went from the United States to Australia. And while they were down there as a team, they split up in twos. And one of the two missionary groups, the two men were walking down the street. And the leader of the team was telling another missionary with them that the team wanted him to do something. And this missionary young man said, I don't really want to do that. And the team leader was trying to convince him to do it. And they stopped where they were standing on the street. And the young man just wrapped his arm around a pole like we all do. And he kind of swung with his elbow into the pole. And he was complaining and he just didn't want to do what the team leader was asking him to do. And the team leader looked up at the top of the pole that the men was, man was swinging on and he started laughing. And the young man said, what's so funny? And he said, look. And he looked up and he said, give way. And in Australia, that's a yield sign. And the young man said, a sign from God for me to yield. And the team leader said, take it for what it's worth. And the young man yielded to what the team wanted him to do, and they had great success because of that. Sometimes we have to submit. Sometimes we have to yield to things that we don't want to do. It's proper order of God. Submission to your husband. Now, we always seem to stop with that first half of the verse, and in Ephesians 5, we do the same thing. Paul writes again to the wives, okay? Wives, be submissive to your husbands, and then we stop. Well, here it says, and continues, as is fitting in the Lord. So that means that you don't submit to him when he's out of godly character. If he's asking you to do something out of godly character, then you don't have to submit to that. You don't submit to the government when they do something out of godly character. The Bible teaches us we don't have to submit to that. It's the same here in the text, ladies. If your husband asks you to do something that is not Christ-like or out of godly character, you certainly don't have to submit to that. And Paul makes sure that we know that, as is fitting in the Lord. So be sure that you understand that, men and ladies. Don't ask your wife to do something that goes against biblical teaching. And ladies, you don't have to do anything that your husband asks you to do if it goes against biblical teaching. So submission is not an action. Listen to me, ladies. Submission is not an action. It's an attitude. It's you assuming the role that God placed you in as a wife in a marriage with your husband. It's an attitude that you take on. It's not an act. Men, you cannot demand your wife to be submissive. It is an attitude that she must take on. You can't talk her into it. You can't coerce her into it. You can't beg her into it. In fact, 
that verse 18 is not written to you men. I read a story about a guy who was having trouble with his wife and he went to the preacher and he said, I opened my Bible and it fell to this verse. Wives, be subject to your husbands. He said, how am I going to teach my wife that? And the preacher looked at him and he said, that verse wasn't written to you. The next one was written to you. This one was written to your wife. You can't demand it. You can't cause her to be submissive. It is an act of her will. It is a desire that she would fulfill God's purpose in her life by being submissive to you. Now, ladies, think about this. Cynthia Heald is a speaker in women's conferences, and she said this. Submission, ladies, is like ducking out of the way so God can have a clear shot at your husband. That's being submissive. All right? Duck out of the way so God can have a clear shot at your husband. We know, and we know this is a touchy subject for ladies. The men want to pounce on it and jump up and down and shout hallelujah, and the ladies want to just take it out of the Bible completely. But we can't do that, can we? It is not an action that you do being submissive. It's an attitude of Christ that you take on. Right? Jesus was submissive. The man submits to Jesus. The woman submits to Jesus and her husband. That's the order of God. That's the way he planned it out. That's what he wants you to see this morning. Now let's read on. Husbands, love your wives. Now we get to turn the tables, right? Now why would Paul and the Lord have to put that in the Bible? Husbands, I'll tell you why. Because it's not easy for you to do. And you're not very good at it. And so God has to remind you, and God wants to teach you how to do that, how to love your wife, somebody who's different than you. Remember, we're putting off the old in Colossians, and we're putting on the new. So here, husbands, we put on love for our wife. We have to work at that. It doesn't come easy for us. This word that Paul uses, put on love, is agapeo, which means to honor her. It means to uh, value her. It means to respect her. It means to guard her, protect her, delight in her. Now we often stop there. Husbands love your wives. But he goes on, doesn't he? Just like the wives, he goes on with the husband. Husbands love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Amen. Amen. So what is he saying? Put off being embittered against my wife and put on a love for my wife a, an affection a honor a respect a delight in my life you know there's not such a thing as a perfect husband is there ladies i wouldn't ask the men that but i would ask the ladies there's not such a thing as a perfect husband and we know that there never has been it never will be but look at the screen now I'm going to switch two letters. A prefect husband. I didn't misspell that. Prefect. What does the word prefect mean? It means appointed by someone to a command. Appointed by someone to take command. That's what a prefect is. So today I want to talk to you husbands about being a prefect husband. Right? The word husband is an old English word which came from the Norse or Norseman, 
up in Scandinavia and Norway, and it means one who bands up the home. Amen? The husband bands up the home. The husband is responsible for the home. The husband is responsible for all that takes place in the home. The husband is responsible in the marriage relationship. I believe that with all of my heart. I know there are some wives who are sour or turn sour against their husband and leave or do something to cause a division in that. But I believe with all my heart that primarily the problem today in our society is not the wife. It's the husband. He's not being the man God wanted him to be. Some of you men are going to do your taxes next year, and you're going to lie to the IRS. You know how I know that? Because you're going to check the box that says head of household. Some of you guys aren't the head of your household. Some of you leave the raising of your children to your wife. Guess what? She was never meant to do that. Oh yeah, they do it today because they have to. They do it today because the man is not doing and upholding his biblical responsibility from God to be the one who binds up the home. Right? That's what I want to address this morning for all of us. This marriage. Today we have problems because the man is leaving that responsibility to his wife. The leadership that he should provide should be a picture of the leadership that Jesus provides for the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Amen. Amen? So a husband should be the same leader or type of leader that Jesus is to the church. A husband should be that leader to the home. Don't sit in the lazy boy and watch your wife drive down the driveway with your kids in the car going to church. That's neglecting your responsibility as a man and a husband. Don't think that your wife is supposed to lead the prayer time at night or the Bible study at night. That's neglecting your responsibility as a man and a husband in your home. Men, be the men we are to be in God's eyes and the woman will follow you to the end of the universe because that's how God laid it out. When a woman marries a man, she marries him because she thinks she can change him. When a man marries a woman, he marries her because he thinks she'll never change. <laughs> and when we get older, we find out that it's not that way. But I'll guarantee you that a woman marries a man because she falls in love with him and all the things that she sees in him. And then as they get older together, some of those things might change if this man isn't walking with God, if this man is not following Christ, if this man is not in his Bible, if this man is not leading his family, then those feelings for that man begin to wane and they begin to change. It never would happen if the man would be the man God called him to be. So it's important that we see that. How do I be the man that God called me to be? I provide leadership in my home like Jesus provides leadership in the church. How did Jesus do that? With a selfless love. 
A selfless love is how Jesus did it. And that's the example for you and I. When we got married, men, we gave up the right to ourselves. Right? We took on responsibility of another human being under our care, under our life, under our protection, under our love. Just as Christ gave himself up for the church, a man has to give up his goals, his dreams, his pursuits, if he's going to marry a woman. Because he takes on another human being. He takes on another responsibility. You must anticipate and meet her needs, right? You must meet her need of security, of conversation. Let me say that again. You must meet her need of conversation. Gil and I can take a trip from here to California and not say a word to each other because it's my fault. <laughs> and it really is. I think about things. She thinks about things, but she would much rather be talking to me about my feelings. And I have difficulty going there, right? Because I don't have any. So I make some up. <laughs> And I'm, I'm teasing you now. I'm teasing you. We all have feelings. But you gave up the right to yourself. Your wife likes to converse with you. Bite the bullet, guys, and talk to her. Open up with her. She can dig and dig and dig and maybe not ever find anything. But there are some things on the surface, at least, that she can discover. Give her conversation. Another thing is give her affection. And I'm not talking about just having sex. Okay? God wired us for that, yes. But I'm talking about a hug. Or holding her hand going somewhere. Showing her that you do care about her. That you do love her. That's a sacrificial... Uh, I mean, that's a selfless love that Jesus showed us. Give her some significance. Let her feel important to you. And you say, well, preacher, you're telling me all of the needs of my wife. What about my needs as a husband? And listen, we all know what your needs as a husband are. Food and the remote control. That is our need as a husband. That's all we need. A wife needs more than that. So do it with selfless love. The second way Jesus showed us as an example was sacrificial love. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Amen? If you didn't marry your friend, you started out on the wrong foot. So men, are you laying down your life? You say, Brother Clay, I'd fight to the death for my wife. That's not what I'm talking about. I know all of you men would step up and protect your wife in a dangerous situation. Even to death, you would protect her. I'm not talking about laying down your physical life. I'm talking about laying down your life for her. Laying down your pursuits that you had as a young man. Have you laid those down for your wife? Have you laid down the dreams that you had? Right? Have you laid down the goals and thoughts that you have? That is sacrificial love. That's what God calls us husbands to do. The third thing is this. Oh, my screen quit working, Russell. There we go. Husbands, love your wife. That's got to come after. There we go. Ah, sanctifying love. Thank you. Sanctifying love. Now, what does that mean? Well, look what it says in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
that he might sanctify her. Now, how am I going to sanctify my wife? I thought Jesus had to do that. He does. Spiritually, he'll sanctify your wife. But now he wants you to love her with that sanctifying love. And what does that mean? That I, what does Jesus mean by the church? He loves the church so he might sanctify her. He wants his bride to be radiant. He wants his bride to be beautiful. So when I love my wife with a sanctifying love, I'm doing it so that her character will be radiant. Have you all ever noticed a woman who's beaten down? She won't even look you in the eye. She won't hold her head up. Have you ever seen a woman that's talked down to by her husband away from the church and she's just bashful and shy? I've seen it. I know you've seen it. That husband's not sanctifying his wife. He's tearing her down. You love your wife so when she walks into a crowd of people, she can hold her head up. She can speak her mind. She can express her feelings and her love for others. Amen? That comes from a man who's got his woman's back. And he is sanctifying her. He is making her radiant. He is making her beautiful. Don't talk down to her. Don't put her in her place, especially in front of someone. Amen? You do it that at home in a discussion, one-on-one, but not in front of people. You build her up. You be the spiritual leader that Christ is to you. That's what He wants you to do. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He became our spiritual leader, husbands. You be the spiritual leader of your family, right? Jesus is characterized in the Scripture, not finding it in print, but a character, classic character uh, confirmation of Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. Amen. So Jesus being prophet, priest, and king. You, husband, be prophet, priest, and king in your home. Right? You be the prophet. Who's going to teach your children and your wife, for that matter, the preacher or their Sunday school teacher? Not according to the Bible. The Bible says the husband teaches his children. The father teaches his children. The father teaches his family. The father teaches his wife. You read with them. You pray with them. David's song was about reading the family Bible. Who does it? Dad does it. Amen? Dad reads the family Bible to his family. He'd be the prophet. He wants us to be the priest. And the priest in the Old Testament was the worship leader. Right? He was the worship leader of the congregation. You lead your family in worship. You do it, man, husbands, prophet, priest, and king. But wait a minute, before you get your scepter and your crown and you sit on your throne at your house, uh, remember something. Jesus wore a crown too. And it was a crown of thorns. And He laid down His life for His family. And that's us. Will you lay down your life for your family and become the husband God is showing you this morning that He wants you to be? It's never too late to start. This is when my granddaughters come over. We try to make it a point with them 
to be all about Jesus. I don't know what they're getting in their home that's 50 miles away. I think I do, but I really don't know everything. But when they come to Grandpa and Grandma's house, they're going to get Jesus. Amen? I'm going to be the prophet, priest, and king to my grandchildren. And it can be the same to my children as well. Lay down your life. Give them protection. Give them security. The last thing Jesus gave us an example of love for His church and you husbands love your wives is a supreme love. Let me ask you a question. What is the greatest love in human relationships that we find in this world today? Someone might say it's a love of a mother for her child. Man, that's a powerful love, but it's not the greatest. Amen. Someone else might say it's a grandparent for a grandchild. Now, I know about that myself personally. That is a great, great love. But according to the Bible, it's not the greatest love between humans in this world. What is? The Bible says it's between a husband and a wife. The greatest love there is in this world. How do I know that? Because when God put Adam and Eve together, Adam said this, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and his father, and he shall cling to his wife, and the two shall become one. The greatest love in this world between human beings is a relationship between a husband and a wife. I remember when I met Gail over 30 years ago. I remember what she looked like in my mind's eye. I remember how pretty she was. I remember how I began to fall in love with her the more time we spent together. And I remember that, that young love, right? There's a beautiful picture in young love when teenagers fall in love or kids in their 20s or even in their 30s when they fall in love with each other and they get married and they start that journey down that path. That's a beautiful picture, is it not? But you know what? I think there's another picture that's even more beautiful than that. Let me read you what I found. Can there be anything more beautiful than young love? Yes, there is a more beautiful thing. It is the spectacle, I'm sorry, the spectacle of an old man and an old woman finishing their journey together on that path. Their hands are curled, gnarled, but they're clasped together. Their faces are seamed and wrinkled, but they're still radiant. Their hearts are physically bowed and tired, but still strong with love and devotion for each other. Yes, there is a more beautiful thing than young love, and it's old love. Is there anybody here today that's been married for 40 or more years? Would you stand up? Come on, both of you, or one of you, stand up. Okay, you may be seated. Thank you all.
for giving us an example of what it means to be a husband and a wife. Amen? You're making it work. You're doing it God's way. And it works, doesn't it? Wives, submit to the leadership of your husband voluntarily by your attitude, not by actions. Men, husbands, love your wives to the utmost. Treasure them. Hold them up. Build them up. Cause them to be beautiful and radiant. Amen? Tonight, we're going to look at the rest of our text. We're going to talk about children. And we're going to talk about children uh, giving us a condition called insanity. Okay? It's hereditary, by the way. And you get it from your kids. So we're going to look at uh, verse 20 and maybe a little further tonight at 6 o'clock. We're also doing the Lord's Supper tonight, so I pray that you would come tonight and participate with that with us. We'll also be voting on our music minister position tonight as well. So David's going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. Maybe some of you uh, husbands need to come and, and get things right with the Lord for your relationship at home. Maybe some of you wives uh, need to remember the biblical ordinance teaching mandate of being submissive to your spiritual leader in your home. Man, maybe you're not the spiritual leader in your home, but you need to assume that role. Come down here. Lay that burden at God's feet. He'll pick you up and He'll restore you to a proper place. I don't know why you need to come. I know why I'm going to kneel here today. There's things in my life, my relationship with my wife, I want to enhance. I want to make better. So I'm going to ask God to do that for me today or help me to do that. Whatever the reason you come is between you and the Lord. I'll be on my knees briefly, okay? And then I'll stand. If you need to talk to me, I'll be here waiting for you. But let's all stand together and David will lead us in that song. Russell, can you put that back on that? Uh, I guess we don't need the words. They aren't there, but uh, at least you'll know what we're singing, right? Okay, let's pray. Father, bless this time and bless uh, this moment as you uh, lead us in a decision. And Father, I pray your spirit be in charge of this room and every heart that's in it. In Jesus' name, amen.